Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. For this episode, we are going to be taking a look at the evolution of, of one of my favorite toys from childhood, Transformers Generation 1 Jetfire. I think this is a good time to explore the topic because 2019 saw the release of the War for Cybertron Siege toy line. You would think with a name like that, this toy line would be a continuation of the toy lines based on the War for Cybertron video games, which would put it in the same continuity family as Transformers Prime, Rescue Bots, and the 2015 Robots in Disguise cartoons. However, Hasbro has officially designated it as part of the Generations toy line. I've always liked the Generations line because of how it reinterprets classic Transformers with updated designs and better toy engineering technology. For the most part, these toys are not supported by a line of fiction, so the designers do not have to worry about making a toy that will be accurate to how the character will appear on the screen. This line can also run alongside other Transformer toy lines that are supporting the current movie or TV series. The Siege toy line explores the Transformers conflict before it came to Earth and features Cybertronian vehicle modes. Many of these toys feature battle damage paint schemes as well as multiple ports for weapon and armor add-ons. Personally, I like what I have seen so far of these toys. I especially like the Starscream toy because it does a respectable job of carrying both his robot mode and pre-Earth Tetrajet mode as seen in the classic G1 cartoon. We'll take a look at the Jetfire toy for this line later on, but first, let's take a look at the origin of this toy and some of the changes it has been through. Both the original toy and the character have an interesting story behind them. We'll take a look at some of the design changes, why Jetfire's name was changed for the cartoon, and some of the legal battles that were waged over this character and the toys that were based on him. I think one of the reasons I liked this toy so much as a kid is because it is based on a figure from the Robotech line. I was a fan of both Transformers and Robotech, so in my young mind, it was like a two-for-one special. I could pretend the toy was a heroic Autobot battling the evil Decepticons, or that it was Rick Hunter battling the Zentradi, whatever my imagination felt like at the time. I remember buying the toy off of one of the kids in the neighborhood for a few dollars. He lacked the accessories, but who cares? It was Jetfire. I don't remember what happened to my original toy, but I'm guessing I ended up selling him at a garage sale when I started to lose interest in toys as I became a teenager. Jetfire is based off of the VF-1 Valkyrie used in the Robotech and Macross animated series. The first Valkyrie toy was released in Japan in 1983 by Takatoku Toys as part of the Macross line. Originally, the designers of Macross envisioned the heroes using a mecha called a Gawak, which would have had the ostrich leg design that the Zentradi battle pods had. However, the idea was struck down in favor of giving the heroes 
a traditional humanoid robot to pilot instead. The VF-1 was designed by noted mecha designer Shoji Kawamori. The origin of the third mode came about by accident. Takatoku Toys sent a prototype to Soji for his approval. However, the legs were not secured into place and swung down. This reminded him of some of the original designs of the ostrich-legged mecha and inspired him to develop the third mode, called Garok, which was changed to Guardian mode for the Robotech series. Garok is short for Ground Effective Reinforcement of Winged Armament with Locomotive Knee Joint. In the anime series, this would act much like an attack helicopter, allowing for a high degree of both speed and maneuverability. However, the Gearwalk mode is not unique to the Jetfire toy. I have found that through a little fiddling, there are other Transformers that can assume a Gearwalk or Gearwalk-like mode. This is possible in many toys with an aircraft alt mode because it is common for the section that forms the jet engine to swing down to form the legs. So in this episode, as we look at different G1 Jetfire toys, we'll also see if they can assume a gearwalk mode. Unfortunately, Takatoku Toys went bankrupt in 1984. Several other companies obtained rights to use their designs. The Valkyrie was acquired by Bandai, who at the time did not have much of a market presence in the United States, so they would end up licensing the design to Hasbro. Matchbox acquired the rights to the Macross toy line, but since they did not have the rights to the Valkyrie, they would need to be careful with the toys they released stateside. Select Toys acquired the rights to several designs that they used to create the Converters toy line. From what I understand, licensing rights can be quite complex, which is why some of the designs that Hasbro would acquire the rights to could be sold as toys, but not included in the animated series. The Valkyrie design would also make its way into other toy lines. In the early 80s, a model company called Ravel released a series called Robotech Defenders. Despite the name, it had no relation to the Robotech series produced by Harmony Gold. In addition to the Valkyries, the series incorporated models from Super Dimension Century Orgus and the Fang of the Sun Dugram series. Some of these models would eventually make their way into the Battletech series. Not only did this lead to confusion with some fans, my younger self included, but it also led to a lawsuit involving Harmony Gold and Fossa. I remember having a couple of these model kits as a child, but I don't remember if I ever managed to put them together correctly. Another series the Valkyrie found its way into was Converters. This toy line also featured toys based on the SDF-1, as well as the deluxe vehicles Roadbuster and Whirl. Both of the deluxe vehicles came from another anime series called Special Armored Battalion Dorvac. The toy line also featured a line of mini cars that were, as I recall, similar to GoBots in terms of both quality and complexity. The story behind this line wasn't that much different from Transformers. 
There were two groups of robots, the good-aligned defenders and the evil maladroids. In this line, the Valkyrie design was put on the side of the bad guys. The Jetfire toy for Transformers was released in 1985. This year also saw the release of many other new toys. Many of these new toys were from the Diaclone line, such as the Insecticons, the Jumpstarters, and Dinobots. Other notable toys came from Takara's Microchange line, such as Perceptor and Blaster. Even though the toy was released in 1985, the Jetfire character debuted in December of 1984 in the episode Fire in the Sky. Before the Great War, he was a scientist who worked alongside Starscream. The two were exploring Earth when they were separated, and Jetfire is assumed lost. This episode has one of the most glaring continuity errors in the G1 series. During the flashback sequence, Starscream is pictured in his Earth mode as opposed to the Tetrajet mode from Episode 1. After being reactivated, Jetfire joins the Decepticons, defects to the Autobots, then sacrifices himself at the end of the episode and is reburied in the ice. However, he would be rescued and reactivated two episodes later. His last official appearance was in Episode 9 of Season 2, Day of the Machines. There is some debate as to whether he appeared at all in Season 3. In the episode Dark Awakening, the Autobots launch an assault against the Quintessons. During the battle, several Autobot planes are shot down, including one that resembles Jetfire. However, since the G1 animated series is well known for reusing character models, as well as its multitude of animation and continuity errors, it is quite possible that the one being destroyed was not the Jetfire we know of. Personally, I thought he was a little underused as a character, since for a while he was one of the few Autobots that could fly and even travel into space. But then again, there were so many characters in that show, I can understand how the writers would have found it difficult to give him equal screen time to everyone. And since the toy was so heavily tied into the toy line, every time they introduced a new wave of toys, they would need to find a way to work that character into the show. There is also a microcontinuity in which Jetfire was the leader of the Autobots. In 1985, Milton Bradley released a line of Transformer toys in Europe. However, some of the Diaclone molds that the G1 toys were based on were already licensed to a French company called Ustra, so they would not be able to make use of the Convoy mold. Since Optimus Prime was going to be unavailable to them, Jetfire was introduced as the leader in a comic called In the Transformers. The story has some common characteristics with the G1 story that we are familiar with. In this story, Cybertron is located in the Alpha Centauri system. The planet is threatened by an asteroid belt. Jetfire and his crew launch the Ark to clear a path for Cybertron and are attacked by the Decepticons. 
Jetfire steers the ship towards the Earth to take their enemies down with them. However, Soundwave abandons ship before the crash. The Ark senses that a Decepticon has escaped, so it repairs Grimlock, Snarl, Slag, and Sludge, giving them dinosaur alt modes. However, the four Dinobots are no match for Soundwave, so Grimlock smashes the side of the mountain with his tail. This causes a landslide, burying all five combatants. However, four million years later, a volcanic eruption reactivates the Ark, and you can guess what happens from here. You might wonder why there is such a radical design change from the toy we know as Jetfire to the cartoon character we know as Skyfire. There are several theories as to why this was done, but most likely it all boils down to legal reasons. One of the leading theories is that even though Hasbro had the rights to use the design, they were collaborating with Takara on the cartoon. Back in Japan, Takara and Takatoku were major competitors, and it is likely that Takara would have seen including characters based on Takatoku models as free advertising for their competitor. So Hasbro may have had the design changed as a way to appease Takara. And since the character less resembled the toy that he was supposed to represent, Hasbro changed the name to Skyfire to avoid being accused of false advertising. However, there is one animated commercial for Jetfire that does show the character appearing much closer to his original Valkyrie design. Before we begin looking at the toys, I would like to mention that, yes, I am aware that there are other Transformer characters named Jetfire. But for the purposes of this episode, we will only be focusing on toys that are intended to represent the Generation 1 Jetfire character. Let's start by taking a look at the first toy to represent Jetfire, which was released in 1985. As mentioned previously, the design is based on the VF-1 from Macross. The main difference between the Transformers toy and the original is the nose cone. Jetfire's nose cone was blunted for safety reasons. He comes with a gun, a clip that allows his gun to be attached to his underside in jet mode, and nine pieces that form his armor. This was an impressive number of accessories for the time, as most figures only included a weapon and maybe a few missiles if they had a launcher. There are two versions of the toy. The most common has a single red stripe running down his wings, but there is a version that has the UN Spacey logo. Unfortunately, the plastic the toy is made of is prone to yellowing over time. Also, the section where the toy folds in half is prone to breaking, as are the clips used to hold his armor in place. Since it is unlikely that this toy will be reissued, Jetfire can go for a lot of money on the secondary market. A loose but complete Jetfire in very good condition can easily go for $150 or more. Even the gun mounting clip by itself can go for $20 to $30 on sites like eBay. Also, the toy would never be released in Japan due to licensing issues with the Macross toy line. The plane mode is impressive with or without the armor, 
though he looks a bit strange with his head hanging out of the bottom of his jet mode. The cockpit doesn't open, but it does have a detailed interior featuring a seat and control panel. The wheels and landing gear are die-cast and spring out with the flick of a switch. I'm actually impressed with the strength of the springs. Despite being over 30 years old, the wheels on my copy come out with enough force to give you a pretty good whack if they hit your finger. Jetfire was one of the more poseable toys for the time. He has articulation in his thighs, knees, shoulders, and arms. This makes him stand out because most of the toys from this era, not including articulation that was necessary for transformation, could only swing their arms up and down and maybe turn their head. This articulation allows him to assume his gearwalk mode. The original instructions list this as his alternate mode, but they do not include instructions on how to transform him to the gearwalk mode. We wouldn't see a new Jetfire toy until 1995. The Transformers brand began to lose popularity somewhere in the late 80s to early 90s. Hasbro sought to breathe new life into the series with the launch of the Generation 2 line in 1993. This line re-releases some of the classic toys from G1 with new color schemes or gimmicks. They couldn't do anything with the original Jetfire mold at this point due to licensing issues, so the Jetfire toy we got was a new design and significantly smaller than his original. Honestly, it's a neat little toy. They made an unusual choice for the color scheme, going with gray camouflage instead of making it a clear representation of the original Jetfire. However, in 2004, Takara would release a new character under the Robot Masters toy line called R-Blade. Although it is a different character, the toy carries the color scheme of the original toy quite well. The wings can swing in or out like the original Jetfire. The bottom of the toy has three landing gears that flip down. The figure also has tabs and slots at the bottom for everything to click into place so the pieces stay put when in jet mode. Oddly, the faction symbol on his tail is the Decepticon symbol. The robot mode is nice, but doesn't quite capture the feel of the original Jetfire in my opinion. The thing I find most unusual is his right arm, which has a large black claw instead of a normal hand. The purpose of this appendage is to serve as a missile launcher for the two projectiles the toy comes with. The only other complaint I have about this toy is the head. Instead of a proper face, he has a T-shaped visor. It's not that big of a deal, as the original Jetfire didn't really have a face either. Most of the head is cast in translucent plastic allowing for a light piping effect. Also, the tail fins do tend to pop out if too much pressure is applied during transformation, but they are easy to put back into place. The figure uses ball joints for the limbs, which is nice because it allows for a great deal of posability and articulation. The main downside to ball joints is that over time they can wear out, making it harder for the figure to maintain a pose as the limbs will tend to flop around loosely as opposed to staying put. Can it gearwalk? 
Yes, it can, though not perfectly. I didn't think the toy would be able to assume a proper gearwalk stance because of how the arms fold up, but it can be done. However, it does take a little effort to get it to stand on its own. The figure's center of balance isn't ideal for a gearwalk mode, but if you tilt the back end high enough, it will stand on its own. Moving ahead, 2006 would be a good year for Jetfire fans, as we would get three toys based on this character. The first is Titanium Series Jetfire. The design for this toy is loosely based on a custom-built toy named Strikefire, built by Transformers artist Don Figueroa. This design would serve as the inspiration for Jetfire's design in the Transformers The War Within series. The character bio on the packaging calls out Jetfire as being one of Starscream's friends. I think the toy looks great in vehicle mode. Unfortunately, it's not my favorite Jetfire toy for a number of reasons. First, the figure doesn't stay together very well. The construction seems rickety. I have seen other figures from the Titanium series, and they seem to suffer from the same problems. I'm not sure if this is the reason why, but I think it is because of the toy's combination of metal and plastic parts. The difference in material weight could be the reason for the stability issues. The landing gears also tend to have problems staying in place, so sometimes the figure will appear lopsided when displayed on a shelf. Transforming the figure is also a pain in the neck. First, you have to remove the section on the back that forms his wings. Then, you need to move the legs forward, drop the torso, and rotate it to face forward. Then pull out the arms, flip up the head, and plug back the section with his wings. He has decent articulation, but due to the figure's weight and stability issues, it can be tricky to pose him. I also don't like how the vehicle mode cockpit and tail fin sections cover his forearms. Personally, I find it visually unappealing. Aside from those complaints, I think the toy's design carries Jetfire's concept quite well. The face has a single red visor, like the original toy, but it has more detail than the G1 head had. The wings also have booster sections that are reminiscent of the original design, as well as armored sections on his legs. The wings have a broad red stripe that is also reminiscent of the original. Finally, his feet also open up in a similar fashion to the way the Valkyries did. Unfortunately, due to the figure's transformation, he cannot assume a true gearwalk mode. You can flip the legs down, but since the arms form the front and back of the jet mode's body, they can't be moved into place properly. Overall, I like the design. I just think it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. This is one of those figures that I would like to see Hasbro revisit in the future and hopefully work out some of the stability issues the Titanium series Jetfire suffers from. The Classics line gave us two different Jetfires. The purpose of the Classics line was to fill in time after the live-action movie series was pushed back to 2007. This toy line featured many new molds, as well as several redecos for more recent toy lines 
intended to represent Generation 1 characters. First is the smaller Legends class figure. I don't have the Jetfire version of this toy, but I do have a redeco that was made to represent Starscream. The original toy also had a gun that was attached to his arm, but unfortunately it is missing on the one I have. The actual Jetfire version of this toy does a good job representing the original with its black cockpit and red markings. The toy itself has limited articulation, which is to be expected on smaller toys intended to have a cheaper price point. In robot mode, articulation is limited to ball joints at the shoulders and thighs. He also actually has a detailed face with eyes, nose, mouth, and a chin. The figure can assume a gearwalk mode, and a surprisingly stable one at that. However, since my toy is missing the attached gun, I'm not sure if the added weight would throw it off balance. He does look a bit strange, though. I think it is because of where the arms and legs are in relation to the rest of the figure. It just looks off-center. The Classics line also has a Voyager-class figure, and he is awesome. From this point on, most of the Jetfire toys we see take cues from both the G1 animated model and the VF1 model. First, let's look at the jet mode. There's only one issue I have with this mode, and that is the landing gears. The two rear wheels don't always stay put when you set the toy down on a flat surface. Sometimes, one or both of the wheels slip backwards, which can cause them to go lopsided. Other than that, it's all good. The wings are adjustable like in the original model. They can sweep forward or backwards. The tail fins are also movable and can be flipped down so they don't get in the way of his removable booster pack. They still have the red stripe design down the wings and fins, but for this toy they decided to use two stripes instead of one. Another unusual choice is the nose cone is black and red instead of solid red. The toy also has several tabs and pegs to keep everything in place. Speaking of the booster pack, it also has a couple other features. The cones on the back are not static, but can move around a little bit. But the coolest part of the booster pack is that you can pull back on the tabs, which causes two guns to spring forward. I like this feature because it calls back to some of the Veritech models, which also had a booster pack with guns on them. The only thing I don't like about the booster pack is the tips of the gun are removable, so if you lose one of the tips, the gun will not stay in place when it is folded back. Moving on to the robot mode, the first thing we'll see is that they made some changes to how the wings get positioned. Instead of folding down behind his back, the instructions tell you to swing them up. This is one of those cues from the G1 cartoon I was talking about. Though if you want, you can swing the wings down to give them a look a little bit closer to the G1 toy. This Jetfire also comes with several accessories. He has a double-barreled gun that splits into two separate guns. In vehicle mode, 
This allows them to be stored under his wings. He also has missile launchers that clip onto his forearms and that flip forward to be used in his vehicle mode. He comes with two translucent blue missiles. The launchers are a bit sensitive though, so I would recommend removing the missiles when you transform the toy so they don't shoot halfway across the room. His face resembles his head in the Marvel Comics and G1 cartoon. However, this figure would also start a trend that we have seen continue with future Jetfire toys, and that is the inclusion of a battle mask. The mask also has a single visor and a set of antennae on each side, which is a nice homage to the G1 figure. Remember the booster pack? In what can only be described as sheer awesomeness, the boosters flip forward so the cannons on his back can become shoulder cannons in robot mode. My only complaint with the figure is, in robot mode, he can be a bit difficult to pose. He has articulation in his knees, shoulders, and arms, but the joints are a bit stiff, well, at least on my copy anyway. The booster pack also throws off his center of balance a little bit, so you might need to lean him forward to get him to stand on his own. Flipping the booster cannons forward helps alleviate the balance issue. With a little fiddling, the toy can be made to assume a gearwalk mode, and he actually pulls it off fairly well. The weight of the booster pack, though, does cause the back part of the figure to slope down because there isn't anything there to support the weight. It also makes it a bit tricky to get him to stand on his own. However, with careful positioning of the legs, it can be done. As with his robot mode, deploying the guns on his back helps balance the figure out, which makes it easier to get him to stand unsupported. The bio on the back of the toy's box calls him out as a great scientist and explorer. It even mentions him getting frozen in a glacier on Earth, much like his G1 cartoon counterpart. It also mentions him as being the only one to face and defeat the Star Pirates of the Blot Nebula. I don't know if this was something that happened in the comics or something they just made up for the toy, but it sounds awesome. The design of this toy was also used for the Transformers gum model kit by Kabaya. In 2013, Hasbro came under fire from Harmony Gold over a toy that was to be released as a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Hasbro had plans to offer a new version of their G.I. Joe Sky Striker as part of the G.I. Joe vs. Transformers toy line. The toy was given a redeco that heavily homaged the G1 Jetfire and added a booster pack. Harmony Gold filed lawsuit claiming that the toy infringed on their intellectual property. They demanded that Hasbro recall all units so they could either be destroyed or turned over to them. In addition, they also demanded that Hasbro surrender all profits from the sale of the toy and pay all legal damages. By September, the case was dismissed with prejudice, clearing the way for Hasbro to release the thrilling 30 Jetfire toy 
in 2014. The purpose of this line is to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Transformers brand. It consisted of some redecos as well as several new toys. Most of the deluxe class figures in this line came packaged with a comic book. As with the regular Generations line, these toys paid homage to various characters from the G1 line, though there are a few toys based on characters from Beast Wars and Transformers Armada. Thrilling 30 Jetfire is a leader class toy. Like many of the other Jetfire toys, the wings can be repositioned to sweep back or be moved forward. The toy takes several design cues from the Voyager-sized Classics Jetfire, notably the inclusion of a removable booster pack as well as two stripes for the wing design instead of one. The pattern is almost a reverse of the one used on the Classics toy, with red being used where white was on the original. The cockpit also opens to reveal a detailed interior with two seats. An unusual feature of this toy is the nose cone is somewhat pointed, though it is made of a softer material. His gun can be plugged under one of his wings or under his nose cone. The robot mode is equally impressive, though the wings can only be made to point up like the G1 cartoon and cannot be folded back to better resemble the G1 toy. He comes with four pieces of armor that clip onto his forearms and lower legs. His armor, booster packs, and gun all feature vacuum metallicized coatings giving them a shiny appearance. His armor pieces can also clip onto the gun to form a larger weapon, and his main gun does have a missile it can launch. Also like the Classics toy, this Jetfire has a head reminiscent of the G1 cartoon and a clip-on battle mask that pays homage to the G1 toy. His transformation is quite complex, and according to the tfwiki.net site, there is a design flaw in the part that connects his pelvis to the chest, so care must be taken when transforming him. My major complaint with this toy is the plastic it is made of feels lighter than that of his other toys. Honestly, he does feel a bit flimsy. I always take precautions when transforming him because I'm always afraid I'm going to break something. He can assume a gearwalk mode, but the toy's construction doesn't quite pull it off very well. First, his chest ends up hanging from the bottom because you need to move the chest there so his legs can swing out. His knees also end up facing backwards, and his arms end up being reversed, so the hands curl outward instead of inward. You also can't display him with his clip-on armor because it gets in the way. On the bright side, other than looking really strange in this mode, he doesn't really have any stability issues and will stand quite well on his own. The mold was eventually reused for the Combiner Wars line, where it would be redecoed and retooled into Starscream, Thundercracker, and Skywarp. In 2017, we received a new Jetfire toy in the Cyber Battalion series line. This toy line falls under the Generations line. The Cyber series originally appeared in Hasbro's Asian and Latin American markets. 
Most of the toys have only shown up in the U.S. as a Walgreens exclusive, which is odd because when I think of a place that I would get an exclusive toy figure, a pharmacy is not the place that comes to mind. This toy is a retool and redeco of the previous Starscream toy from the Cyber Series line. The red section near the back of the jet is an homage to the booster pack seen on most of the previous Jetfire toys. The wings also have the option to sweep back or be locked into place. His two guns can attach under the wings. There are also two holes behind the cockpit that allow access to the screws that are used to hold the toy together. The guns can also mount there, though I doubt this was intentional. The guns themselves are reminiscent of Starscream's null rays from the original cartoon. The robot mode is actually pretty good, though it can be a pain to transform. The main issue is the head. The head itself remembers the battle mask from the thrilling 30s Jetfire and has an antenna on each side. There isn't much clearance here, though, and sometimes the antennae get caught and need to be moved out of the way for the figure to transform. Once in robot mode, the figure is stable and has no issue standing. He has some articulation in the arms and thighs, but does not have a knee joint, so he's not really very poseable. There are also holes on the shoulder which allow his weapons to be mounted in a similar fashion to the Seekers from the G1 cartoon. However, it is a tight fit, and the weapons can't be pushed in all the way. But can he gearwalk? Yes, he can. However, since all of the weight of the toy is towards the front, he can't stand on his own. Overall, though, it's not a bad toy and it's ideal for younger fans who just want a Jetfire toy to play with. And now for the main event. So we come to the latest toy in the G1 Jetfire lineup. Now if you're a fan of the uh, original cartoon Jetfire, then this toy is definitely for you. Until now, if you wanted a toy that depicted this version of the character, you had to go with a third-party toy some of which can go for $200 or more on sites like eBay. While the new Commander Class Jetfire is certainly not cheap at having a price point close to $80, it's certainly a more cost-effective alternative. First, this guy is a beast to transform. I personally found the instructions were not very helpful at some points. The pictures were too small and didn't always clearly depict what piece needed to be moved where. But after several minutes of fiddling, I finally got him to go from the robot mode he is packaged in to jet mode. He has a couple of gimmicks in this form. The cockpit opens and reveals what tfwiki.net refers to as a computer core, which can be removed. His booster pack also has a cockpit, though I haven't tried to open it yet. He has four handbars that deploy from his underside, so other figures can get a lift. His armor and weapons snap together to form an add-on for his booster pack, though personally I prefer how he looks without it. 
I can't really compare him to the original Jetfire or the toys that followed, as he was specifically designed to resemble his appearance in the cartoon. He pulls this off very well in both his robot and his jet modes. His robot mode is awesome, and fans of the G1 cartoon will certainly appreciate it. As a nice touch, his chest panel can rotate to reveal an Autobot or Decepticon symbol. Starting from the top and working down, his face is a good rendition of the G1 cartoon. He does have a clip-on battle mask, but personally I think he looks better without it. His wings fold up and they can be moved down a little bit. However, they can't fold behind him to make him better resemble the wing placement of the original toy. Overall, his articulation is good, and I do think he is made of sturdier plastic than the thrilling 30s toy, so I felt less afraid of breaking him while attempting to transform him. He has clip-on armor for his forearms, but since they are cast in black plastic, they really don't invoke the feel of the original toy. Personally, I think it would have looked better if they would have used red, because that would have given him more of a G1 feel. Again, just would have called back a little bit more to the original uh, Jetfire toy. He does have red panels, though, on the outside of his calves that do call back to the original toy's leg armor. Siege Jetfire is nothing if not well-armed. He has a double-barreled gun, similar to both his G1 cartoon appearance and the Classics Voyager scale toy. Also like the Classics toy, his gun can be split into two weapons. He comes with four other missile-like pieces that are meant to clip onto his booster pack. Finally, he also has six pieces that resemble fire blasts that can be attached to the barrels of his gun or his booster engines. Honestly, though, I'm not a fan of his armored-up mode. I prefer the cleaner, simpler look of the toy on his own. The battle mask does have a single visor, but unlike some of the other versions of the toy, he really doesn't have an antenna in this mode, so it doesn't call back to the original uh, G1 toy as uh, much as some of his other toys have. And he can assume a gearwalk mode. However... Like the Cyber Battalion Jetfire, he can't stand on his own since the legs don't move underneath his body. So should you get it? Should you invest in this toy? Well, it really depends. I mean, if you are a big fan of the original cartoon, or if you're a diehard Jetfire fan, I would certainly recommend it as, like I said, it just it's the only real official Hasbro product that we have that really captures the appearance of the G1 Jetfire, cartoon appearance anyway. If you're a fan of the toy line in general, you know, you could probably live without him if you don't feel like spending the $80. But overall, I think it is certainly an interesting part of the G1 Jetfire uh, toy collection. So there you have it, a look at the evolution of G1 Jetfire toys. The toy and character have certainly come a long way over the years and definitely have an interesting history behind them. But with 
each new version, each new toy we receive, there have been little nods here and there that either call back to the original toy or that invoke a feeling that you got from one of the other Jetfire toys. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed the episode and found it both informative and entertaining. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Hey, this is Nick and Alex, and we're here to tell you a little bit more about Dungeon Junkies. Now, we're a podcast that's based in Austin, Texas, and we are hell-bent on making you laugh. Absolutely. We have some fantastic storytelling uh, with some badass characters and even better music, as well as a ton of jokes to make you laugh. So join Fenworth, Taryn, and Dr. Euphoria, and our sexy DM, Kenny, on a quest to save the world or destroy it. I guess whichever one comes first. (laughs) And you can also check out our Real Talk episodes where we get meta inside our campaign and really figure out the depths of our characters and also the story. So check us out on www.dungeonjunkies.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Dungeon Junkies, because not all adventurers are meant to be heroes. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.